The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's your host, Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Well, hi, this is Reverend Dan Beckett. It looks like Lonnie might be having a little bit of trouble with her connection. But welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM online radio. Uh, I am your co-host today, along with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about how spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. As today's show is an interactive discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. And that phone number is area code 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816 816- Two five one three five five five, and we welcome your call. Today's topic is spiritual consciousness and the recovery process. In the literature of Alcoholics Anonymous, founder Bill W. describes being, quote, rocketed into the fourth dimension. And Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore also describes a fourth dimension. Are these the same thing? How are they related to spiritual consciousness and recovery? So Lonnie and I will be here together discussing the development of spiritual consciousness. And I'm going to jump right in because when I hear that phrase, what first very comes to mind to me always is that anything that I might think of as spiritual consciousness or development of consciousness or by whatever label it goes, it's been my experience that it is an ongoing process. Uh, I have heard from others who have been down this road and I've experienced on my own that it's not really something that's ever done. It's something that unfolds within us and around us as we work the steps and participate in our recovery community, participate in our spiritual community. Thank you, Dan, for picking up the ball there when uh, when the connection dropped for me. No problem. So I think you've got a great point there about the spiritual awakening. You know, and I think about that sometimes, um, like we wake up in the morning, I don't just pop out of bed. First, my ears wake up, and I hear the birds, and then then maybe my eyes might try to start to open, and I might wiggle a few muscles. And for mm-hmm. me, the spiritual awakening is very much the same type of a process. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, and it, it's, a, it's evolutionary in that way. 
in that it, it un, seems to unfold over time and jump around too. I mean, I, I love things that are clear and easy and I know how to get from one to 10 and all I have to do is this and everything moves very smoothly in a straight line, but that is not how I have found life to be or found recovery to be. It's more a, a zigzaggy line that moves two steps forward, one step back sometimes, goes here, goes there, unexpected things happen. It's just a, it is a wonderful thing, but it's very much an unfolding Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, when I first got into recovery and many people that I speak with and when they're new in recovery, we have no idea what consciousness is. Uh, In fact, I had no idea what a spiritual awakening was all about. Mm -hmm. I thought I was awake. I thought I uh, paid attention. I thought I was working everything as hard as I could to have a successful life, but nothing was going my way. In Mm. fact, I felt like I was starting in the hole And in fact, um, I was in the it's everybody else's fault and everybody's against me mode. (laughs) And when was that? Did you say that was when you first came in or after a while? Oh, no. When I first came in. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand that. If if you had the life I had, you know, you'd be in this same place. Well, that's probably very true. Well, it it takes a while to to move out of that, to grow out of that. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, what was it that? Um, so, what was the first sort of sparkly light or the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will? Do you remember? What I remember is feeling shame every time that somebody said, "Well, you're blaming other people. You're oh, blaming goodness. others." You know, because I didn't, I didn't want to do that or be there, but I had no other point of reference. Yeah, that I can see that that's a very tough place to be. And so, learning to take accountability for my own um, level of consciousness and the emotions that go with it was was probably the first step. I could not recognize that I was in a blame victim mode consciousness. Mm-hmm. And and so somebody had to point that out to me, probably on more than one occasion. Right. <laughs> I imagine on more than one occasion. That's been my experience as well. I, I I don't seem to learn a lesson the first or even the second or the third time. It takes some unknown number of times before the light goes on, finally. I'm always grateful when it does, but, man, it can take a while. Yeah. And so, you know, I I know that I existed in this victim mode mentality for quite a while, and I can go back there. That's one of my red flags mm, okay. that I know when I need to attend to my spiritual practices and get back on track is that when I find myself in a blaming mode, um, that circumstances or somebody else or something else is preventing me from having the life I want at the moment. Aha. Uh-huh. Something outside of yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I've learned over time that the key to, the, to that is, is exactly recognizing that. Because instead of trying to fix the thing outside of me, which I think is human nature, sure. to try to fix what we perceive as causing our pain, I have to turn within and I have to employ these spiritual tools that I've been taught. And yes. I have to get recentered. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that same experience. I can tell when I'm kind of off the path or if I'm off track I can feel it in my body. It's like a 
it's a kind of body anxiety that really only shows up um, if I'm under stress. And, and what it tells me is that I, I've gotten a little too far afield from my, from my practice, from my uh, way of seeing, if you will. Uh, it tells me that I need to in- intentionally uh, set aside time for self-care, intentionally set aside time and make sure that I'm participating in a community is a big part of it for me, or that I'm expressing whatever's going on within me. You know, I'm perfectly capable of carrying things around silently, and uh, that's not a good habit for me. Um, and I have learned to be willing to share what's happening. But when that when that feeling, that very familiar, squirrely, uh, I guess we might call it restless, irritable, and discontent, I know exactly what that feels like in my body and uh it's a it's a sign that i I need to do some things differently well and i think that that's a really good point because i had the misconception that i would get well and wouldn't ever feel restless irritable and discontent again and you know and that i would not be bothered by these other people any longer once i got spiritual and once i arrived at a certain level of consciousness that, you know, I could sit on my mountaintop and have a peaceful life. And that has not been the case either. Well, it could happen if you were literally on a mountaintop and there were no people around you, (laughs) then maybe. I suppose that's possible. (laughs) So there's a piece of, um, there was a piece, there was a passage in the literature that helped me immensely with this that I think ties directly into some unity concepts. And uh, it talks about, um, what a vital spiritual experience is. Uh And the author talks about it being the nature of a huge emotional displacement and rearrangement Mm -hmm. where ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were once the guiding force in the lives of these people are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Mm -hmm. That is one of the definitions in the the recovery literature of a spiritual awakening. And the, the piece that we've already spoken to is suddenly... It does not happen suddenly for most people. Absolutely. But as for the huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, I think that speaks directly to the chemicalization of uprooting old ideas that have kept us stuck in that blame game. Yeah. I think that's really important because uh, certainly on, on any path of recovery, it's a matter of shifting our perceptions, our consciousness, if you will, our way of thinking, like you described, uh, finding yourself in a, a blaming mode and having to find a new way uh, to engage the world in that, that phrase, chemicalization, from, from the uh, unity literature from Emily Cady, um, I think is a great, and well, it's an important concept because anytime I have experienced uh, the willingness to take on a new way of seeing, it, it's not always a walk in the park. You know, it's not always a, you know, wonderful, blissful angels are singing, all my problems are solved. It often uh, feels like it's been my experience that it just brings in a, a new kind of challenge. I mean, a, a better in many ways. Uh, in that it's a it's a path out of my my stuck old p- patterns of thinking, but you know, uh, introducing new ideas or practicing new ways of seeing uh, is a challenging thing to do. I found. Well, I would agree with that a hundred percent. So, what is the difference? And um, or maybe there is no difference, but we get this intellectual knowledge. 
we go mm-hmm. to a mil- million meetings or we sit in a bunch of unity classes and we can name these principles and we can actually even make them work some of the time in our lives. Um, how does that connect with consciousness? How does that actually make a change in that? I'm assuming it does. Yeah, yeah. I think it does. And that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if I feel like I even have a grasp of the mechanism, if you will. I mean, to me, it, I'll just, I can only speak from my own experience. That's the action of spirit in my life. That's, that's do you know, that's the how part of it. How does this work? How do I get from this way of thinking to, you know, maybe I have a friend in, in recovery and I'm thinking, man, I, I would like to be in that place. How do I get from here to there? Uh, you know, I'm all, I always remember that uh, saying I've heard so many times that how is none of my business. How is uh, that's God's business. That's the business of spirit. And what I need to do is put one foot in front of the other, follow the advice that I'm getting from people who have been down this road and trust. I mean, I, and I guess this is where faith comes in, or I know this is where faith comes in and trust that when I do those things, the changes occur seemingly on their own. Although I know that my willingness uh, is a big part of it. I think that's a great point. And the faith for me started out as blind faith. It's, I had to do it if it worked for somebody else I would I would try it but I at that point was only doing it because I had no other options whatever the it was whatever the spiritual practice was mm-hmm. and um and it was only after repeated effort to do that thing whatever it was prayer for example that I found some measure of comfort that then I started to gain any level of faith and so, you know, that's not faith <laughs> if I have to prove it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear you. Though that uh, blind faith or what we call blind faith is certainly a helpful and helpful thing. I would never want to be without it. It, it is, in a sense, uh, of, of, you know, if a, a fallback or, you know, if, if worse comes to worst, uh, I can at least lean on an inexplicable knowing that spirit is active, God is active in my life, in my recovery, in my uh, spiritual growth, and and that may well be enough to keep me putting one foot in front of the other. And that reminds me of one of the 12 powers that we talk about, is spiritual understanding and mm-hmm. wisdom, wisdom and knowing that we know. But it took me a while to get there. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I wouldn't claim to be there even now personally. Again, my, myself, I've, um, I've, I, I'm sure that I have had many moments in my life where I have finally arrived, and now I know everything, and now I truly get it, and now uh, angels will sing all the time, and all my problems are solved. And then, of course, inevitably, what happens is the you know it's it's like peeling the layers of the onion. Uh, that that's a st- step along the way. Uh, it's important. It's wonderful, but you know, there's always a, a next piece of it. In in a way, I hope I'm never done. I mean, I I, I can't. Uh, I, I want to remain engaged in the world and engaged with other people. And if if I ever 
really concluded that I was done with all this spiritual growth stuff, um, that doesn't seem like it'd be a good thing. And I'd probably be wrong. And that, and that would, uh, that would become evident after not much time. So another one of the phrases that they, that they use in the recovery literature that baffled me for a long time was talk about being rocketed into the fourth dimension. Yeah. I was never really quite sure what that meant. When we talk about three dimensions, you know, that I understand that because that's physics. But when we get to the fourth dimension. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, the big book doesn't really define that term. It, it uses it in a very powerful passage there. Um, and I've always gotten the impression, you know, this is a, this is a thing of great hope. This is a wonderful um, path to be on. This is a wonderful experience to have. But exactly what um, the big book is getting at with that, I'm not sure. I, I suppose I've always taken it um, to mean a spiritual way of living. You know, whatever that might be, um, and again, that's one of those things that I feel like a drift, drift in and out of. It's an ongoing uh, process, an ongoing development. But rocketed into the fourth dimension, I, I suppose I'd always thought that meant to at least have a a real sense, uh, an experience of of living um, in, in a spiritual manner, or at least having awareness of spiritual um, reality in addition to, you know, everything else running around in my head. I know, uh, I believe that Emmett Fox has also used that term, but I, I couldn't find a definition from him either for it. Well, and then, of course, Charles Fillmore uses a similar um, a similar concept when he talks about living in the fourth dimension. He uses that in his uh, book, Adam Smashing Power of Mind, and mm -hmm. um, I think another book of his as well. And he's talking about living in the realm of spiritual ideas. Okay. The, the way that I understand that. Yeah. And that kind of fits. I think that fits what what, what my takeaway uh, when, when I've read that in the big book um, has been uh, along those same lines. I think it's a shift. I think it, it points to, that language seems to point to this radical change of, of consciousness or this psychic change, psychic change that the literature refers to. I have a feeling that those are different ways of describing something very similar. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that's probably true because, um, you know, they were, they were contemporaries, Charles Fillmore and... Um, and Bill Wilson. I'm not sure that their paths ever actually crossed, but they were both exploring yeah. new thought ideas at the same time. And much of the recovery literature is based on the original recovery literature is based on new thought ideas that have been genericized, um, you know, with terms higher power and things like that. Yeah. But because of that, and because that was just at the forefront of the atomic age and, you know, the fascination with other dimensions that were unseen, like the atoms, uh, and the power contained within that, I believe that they're talking about very similar things, the power within ideas, the unseen forces. Yeah, I think that's true. And it actually makes a lot of sense that it's a little nebulous and hard to wrap one's head around because... I believe, and my experience has been that um, you know, the uh, any concept of God, any 
um, any spiritual experience or any life experiences that I have had or am having that feel like they have a, a decidedly spiritual component are really hard to put words to. I, I find them to be wordless kind of experiences. And so I think um, many of us sort of struggle with language around how do you communicate um, this thing, this experience or this place in consciousness that is really um, basically a wordless uh, a wordless kind of thing by its by its very nature. I think it's very challenging. Well, I think the first piece of that is starts with somebody on the pink cloud. Yeah. You know, I mean, it almost it, it is almost a separation from reality, you know, because it's such a shift from where we were. Right. When, when we were buried in the doom and gloom and the blame and the self-imposed hardships to all of a sudden feel like we have been rescued, to use one of the analogies out of the literature. Yeah. Um, you know that that, and it's a whole shift in consciousness, but it does wear off after a while. That feeling that you're talking about. Yes, it's sort of on loan. It's on loan for a period of time. It feel it feels like it's a, sort of a a gift in a way to jumpstart us. You know, to to get a good sense of what life can be like, and then of course. Um, comes the work of you know the 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 day to day sometimes moment to moment work of of shifting uh, our consciousness by by applying the principles that we learn in a twelve step program or the principles that we learn uh, from unity literature and um, we my experience has been to to get that same kind of sense of peace if you will, that peace that passes all understanding um, b- begins to come back in, in a, you know, a little here, a little there, starts to show up more regularly. I get um, a little better at, like we were talking about before, recognizing when, when maybe there's something I'm not doing that uh, would help me or support me better on my spiritual path, that, um, you know, that feeling I get of a kind of a body anxiety that tells me, um, I need to turn my attention to uh, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking. May need to uh, take up some of my practices more explicitly, but to, to be able to um, have that experience again from time to time and, and have it sort of become part of the background of life. I mean, for me now, um, fortunately, that 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 feeling of overwhelm or um, anxiety or it's really you know based in a fear of some kind or other um, that can come upon me from time to time is uh, gratefully the exception and um, I am much more able to spend time in I don't know what I might call joy or serenity um, much more so than I ever used to be I mean, it's it's still it's still a um, a moving thing. It's a little again. I'm I'm struggling with words because it's a it's a moving, shifting, growing experience, and it shows up different ways at different times. Well, and that's to your point that you opened with is that it's progressive and it's evolutionary and it's 
it can be regressive too, depending on what you know what we do. And it made, reminded me of this mind body connection. Yeah, that the um, you know that the that the body reflects what we're thinking about in at some level, subconsciously or not, and yes. it reflects our belief systems, and it and it reflects our consciousness levels. Um, and so yes. for me, an awful lot of the time, my first clue shows up as a bodily symptom that uh, something's not right with me in my head, thinking wise, mm. that I that I need to apply a tool. Um, that's how I I know you know, and I I was taught this early on. I that's where I learned that if I have this feeling in my stomach, I'm probably way off in the future someplace. That's fear, uh-huh. if, for example. Or if I have this um, feeling in my throat closing up, that that's probably hurt, and which is a belief system mm-hmm. that it's all about me. That whatever just happened was because of me and all about me, and it's it's an ego-based thing, which then reminded me of Charles Fillmore's concepts about sense consciousness. You know that that yeah. Pulling out of the the sense consciousness and the gratification of the senses and and such to move into the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that in those kind of those twin concepts of sense consciousness and spiritual consciousness. I tend to think of it as a balance. Um, I, I'm very wary of polar opposites, probably because I'm have you know historically been oriented towards polar opposites you know it's either right or it's not right you know it's it's good or it's no good and um what i've found is that when i have those very same bodily feelings that are you know that's a sign that that something is amiss that i'm it's not so much quite that i'm in the wrong place entirely but that i'm most certainly out of balance and I need to bring in um, um, an increased awareness of the spiritual reality in which we live and move. Uh, in addition to, I mean, sense consciousness is very important. I wouldn't want to be without it entirely. But the problem, of course, is that if that is where, if that's all, if that's all I have, if that's the only place that I know how to live then yeah life is going to be very challenging and i am going to be out of balance in general well, one thing that was i think um difficult about coming into recovery was learning that there is another side there is something to balance with and what is that thing that's kind of like uh, you were sharing at the beginning about um you know we come into recovery and we kind of have a way of engaging the world and clearly it's not working and finding well you know what is that other way that's a great point dan and we're gonna have to go to break here in just a couple seconds so why don't you hold that thought and when we return we'll pick up the conversation and open the phone lines Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. 
If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. What does unity mean to me? We came at a time in our lives when it was just the right time. We needed, uh, we needed to work on our spiritual lives, and it just felt like such an awesome fit. I think it's about um, knowing that you have uh, the power through prayer and thought to change your life, to control your life. It is my spiritual home. It is my community. It is a place where I am affirmed. I was so fed up with the traditional way in which, quote, religion, end of quote, was activating things around the world. And one of my students suggested that I come. And on that particular Sunday, and I share this with Wendy all the time, she spoke only to me. And I found a community. Find out more. Visit unity.org. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Well, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, I'm Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, your host, and with me today is Reverend Dan Beckett. And we've been talking about the development of spiritual consciousness in recovery. There's a big overlap with unity principles, uh, with the recovery principles in this spiritual consciousness. And so we're going to open the phone lines now for anybody that cares to call in with questions or comments as we continue our discussion. And the number is 816-251. Three five five five. Again, the number is eight one six two five one three five five five. So, Dan, prior to the break, we were uh, wrapping up about one aspect um, of of this spiritual consciousness and sense consciousness, and I thought we could talk a little bit about 
another aspect of the uh, development having to do with personality and principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. In, in fact, in my uh, home group, it's in our um, opening statement. Uh, and I know that it's a core concept in uh, recovery. In fact, I, I think that's the first uh, place I've encountered it. I don't think I understood or carried this concept of personality versus principle uh, until I encountered it in 12-step recovery. And I, I find it a, a very helpful way of seeing. You know, in a sense, it's a lens. It's a lens to look through um, where if, uh, again, you know, if I'm getting that feeling like um, I might be getting off the path a little bit, one question I can ask myself is, am I getting wrapped up in somebody's particular way of being, you know, their personality? Am I getting wrapped up in someone's personality? Am I kind of butting heads with some aspect of someone that's, um, you know, that I'm finding troubling or whatever is bothering me? And, of course, it's never the other person, and and that's where the um, principal side comes in. If I'm if I'm getting all wrapped up in uh, the way someone else is, then I'm out of balance. I have learned, and what I need is to uh, shift my thinking in back into principle. And that can be as simple as saying, you know. There are many ways of seeing things, and I have my ways, and other people have theirs, and that's just fine. That works some of the time for me, but oftentimes I then add to that with, and my way is right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, that goes without saying. Which does not help (laughs) me with the shift of consciousness. And so for me, this was kind of paired with our discussion earlier about blame, the blame level of consciousness. Because Mm. if I am focused on other personalities and I am focused on individuals and activities outside of myself and making them responsible for my level of comfort, then then I am wrapped up in personalities, not principle. And so I had to take it down to what is principle. And I did not understand it the way we do in unity as being um, – um, the the uh, activity of God, I, re- I understood it as being, okay, the principle of step one is a spiritual principle and it's honesty. You know, am I being honest about this situation? How, how am I working through this? Am I twisting yes. the truth just a little bit to make me uh-huh. look better and them look bad? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. those kind of things. Um, you know, where am I placing my faith, which is the principle of step three? You know, is my faith in uh, my higher power? No, my faith is in my ability to figure it out. Uh-huh. And, and I have a different solution than they do, and mine's right. And so in that way, I'm still stuck in sense consciousness, and I'm still stuck in in blame consciousness, and uh, and I'm wrapped up in personality. And so one of the tools that I use um, that I'm all about is that if I just substitute somebody else's name. And I substitute to her if my best friend, my worst enemy, my sister, my uncle, and if I would, for my behavior, if I would do the same thing no matter whose name is in the, in the paragraph, oh. then it's more likely to be in alignment with principle than if not. That's a great way to go about that. I think that's a super helpful, super practical. I mean, that's that makes a lot of sense. I like that. I can see how that would help. You know, you're kind of triangulating, you know, if I look at it from here and if I look at it from there. And, and then what I'm hearing is that it, it begins to show you where you're coming from, 
when you look at it from here and here and here or from this, you know, if it was this person or if it was that person or if it was my spouse or whatever, that begins to uh, show the nature of whatever's going on. Does that sound right? It does because with if I'm trying to bring my behavior and my thinking into alignment with what I believe my higher power or the God of my understanding or principle, capital P principle, um, you know, the activity of God, and I have no idea what that is. The only way – what I know is it's constant at that point in time. What I believed I know, knew is that it was constant, that it didn't change mm-hmm. based on who it was applied to. And that it was based on a universal um, idea, like honesty. Honesty, for example. Right. You know, if I if I pay the money back, it's my sister. But if it's my worst enemy, I'm not going to give him a dime. You know, that's <laughs> not based on principle. That's, that's based on personality. Example. Yes. Right. That's you a great example. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I would use that in that way to help me narrow down: Am I within any? Any close at all to what principle would be here? Yeah, the, the spiritual principle uh, behind this, whatever I'm contemplating doing. Yeah, it is. It is tricky. And I was thinking that uh, you know, my, my seemingly infinite ability to um, try and make things the way I want them to be. Uh, when you were describing or asking yourself that question, is it personality or principle, my mind went to, well, it's principle, and the principle is it should be done this way, and they're not doing it this way, so they're wrong. <laughs> what a silly misuse of the uh, word principle <laughs> in that case. Reminds me of uh, someone asking, so how do you feel? Well, th- that guy's being a jerk. I know, but how do you feel? I feel like that guy's being a jerk. Uh, that's not a feeling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, man. So I think that this uh, concept of principle and personality is key. I think it fits right in with Unity's fifth principle about living the truth you know. Yes. Because when and if I can keep my thoughts my consciousness level in alignment with the higher good, the the higher road, if you will, mm-hmm. I have a much better chance of living in a way that's in accordance with who I believe um, the God of my understanding wants me to be. Yes. How, you know, to be a reflection of the Christ within, if you want to, to yes. say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I... As I hear you describe that and, and uh, thinking about what this ongoing you know, recovery and spiritual growth path has been, um, for me, it's you know, like, kind of like you were saying early on. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, I need some concrete steps to, uh, you know, we say, I might say something like, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously all wrapped up in personality. I need to shift my thinking to principle. And then I, what I didn't say was, and how exactly do you do that? Uh, and, and I'm not sure that I know, but I'm sure that I've developed habits along those lines. And I know for me early on, um, in recovery, it was really important that I was willing and had faith 
again, faith is intertwined through all of this, that I was willing and had faith to do, uh, to follow the works, to do the step work, to meet with a sponsor, to show up at a meeting, to um, talk to people, to get a phone number, to make a phone call, you know, if I'm feeling squirrely. And, and, and those things all seemed completely unrelated to any of the stuff we're talking about. But what I found out was if I do those things, then that, uh, you know, the seeming wall, seeming wall in between, um, you know, any particular action, all of which, you know, by itself seems like, what, who, you know, what is this going to do? So I called the guy, so what? So I made the coffee, so what? I showed up at a meeting, so what? All of those little things start to kind of tear down that barrier and it, it slowly becomes clear and slowly uh, for me, has been a key word, um, and we hear about um, in recovery this 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 concept of a spiritual experience of the quote educational variety, uh, which what you know what that tells me is this is going to unfold over time. Um, that's been a powerful idea and, and a very helpful idea. I think that there was a lot of people that uh, in the first writing of the book got the idea that you had to like wake up the next day perfect <laughs> as if you'd had a burning bush experience right. in order to know that you had this you know that you had this experience someplace in the literature it talks about the way you know if you have had this spiritual awakening is your ability to see and feel and act differently than you would have in prior times yes you know, their, your reactions change, your ability mm-hmm. to respond instead of react, the ability to pause before um, taking action or, or before responding, the ability to pray or ask for guidance or check it out with somebody else prior yes. to. All of those are indicators of a developing consciousness that um, does not run on personality. Yeah, and I think that um, as you describe that, um, it can be very hard to see those things in ourselves. And so it can be very easy to uh, get down on ourselves about our lack of progress or or what have you. And I think that's a great example of a way that for me, a sponsorship and having a re- being part of a recovery community and a spiritual community is so very helpful because, you know, I can see other people growing and changing much more readily than I can see myself growing and changing. But they can see me, too. And that's a way that the community is so critical because we can support one another. And, and by some even off-the-cuff comment that another person makes might be exactly what I needed to hear to show me, you know, the difference between how I used to be and how I am now. It, it can be um, – it, it's very hard, I think, to because – because it is a slow unfolding. It can be very hard to um, see any changes, almost like in my own kids, I don't detect – changes. But when I see like my um, net nieces and nephews, if I haven't seen them in three months, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, they got a foot taller or something mm-hmm. um, because I have an outside perspective, which is what my sponsor can help with and what my, you know, compatriots in, in my um, spiritual community and or my recovery community can help with. I think that's a great point. You know, you reminded me that, um, we judge ourselves, and it's probably kind of universal, but we judge ourselves by 
our insides by everybody else's outsides. Yes. What somebody else looks like, how they show up, even to the point where we say, if you want what we have, you'll do what we've done. Okay, well, I want what you got, but I don't, you know, I'll never get there because I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we put ourselves down. And so that's one of those old ideas that um, I needed help getting rid of. You know, one of the things that I have found is that when I am stuck in this place of of um, discomfort, it is almost always because I have gotten anchored on an old idea that I don't even know I'm holding. Yes. Like, I'm not good enough. Um, this will never work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't do it the way that they do it. It's not going to be right. You know, whatever it is, it's something that I'm holding at a low level that I'm not even conscious of because I, I am unable, as you mm-hmm. just described, to evaluate my own ability. Right. Yeah. It's very, it's inherently deceptive self-evaluation. It really is. And you know, the flip side of that is I was also taught, and this is something I was taught in unity, is that if I can see it in another person, as I practice holding the Christ light with that other person, and I see that in their eyes, if I can spot it, I've got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't recognize what is not a part of what I am. Yes, I think that's very true. Um, And it it might not be to the same degree. You know, sometimes if I encounter someone, uh, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to come up with a good particular example, but if if I encounter someone that's displaying a quality really, really loudly, that maybe I used to, and I have it still, but it's not quite as loud, uh, th- that person can really irritate the heck out of me. And if I'm able to recognize, like, oh, they're being uh, arrogant or, you know, they're being – they're withdrawing from the group or anything that I'm capable of doing and have done in the past, then it, then it gets under my skin, because just like you're saying, because there's something in me that recognizes and resonates with it, and that is why it has come so strongly into my uh, attention. Because the person sitting next to me might be like, yeah, whatever. A lot of people say that. Well, you know, it's just not phasing them, but it might be making me really upset. And that's that's what you're pointing at is, man, if I'm seeing that in someone else, there's something about that in me. Even if it's not exactly the same thing, there's something about it in me that it's resonating with. And that's what I need to look at. Well, and that brings up for me the point that um, I was told that those people and those places are my greater teachers because mm-hmm. – the, that's what's rubbing up against my bruises, if you will, my the things that I was enculturated, um, ideas, old ideas that I might have that need to be changed or looked at or mm-hmm. places where tolerance needs to grow, where I need to apply more more love, more principle and less personality, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, back to an earlier comment you made about how do you do this? How became a trigger phrase for me as a tool? Yeah. Yeah, how, H-O-W, honest, open-minded, willing. Those are the action steps for me is to get from one place to the other. The first piece is honest, and that's getting an honest evaluation. And I sometimes am not able to do that myself, and I require outside assistance. And that's where a a spiritual director, a a, uh, a prayer partner, uh, a sponsor, uh, Mm -hmm. just another friend can help bring a more rounded perspective on whatever's going on. And yeah. bring new ideas, which leads right into the open-minded. As long as I'm resistant 
to changing my mind or resistant to the to the concept that is being brought forward. Well, maybe they're not such a bad person. Maybe you just wounded around that, you know, for example. Yeah. Uh, as long as I'm resistant to that, I can't get from here to there. But once I open my mind and and entertain the idea that, well, they might be right, or, well, it, I can see this differently, or, well, there is another way of looking at this, then that leads right into the willing piece that you talked about, that when I become willing, I don't think it's going to work, but I'll try it, for example. Right. You know, once I become willing, then that for me leads into faith because I repeat those two or three times and then I go, you know what, this is what I have to do and I'll get there. Then I believe it's going to work. And then I don't even think about it. I know it's going to work. These are the steps I have to take to get there. Yes. And I love that. Um, um, Is that an anagram? The H-O-W, how honest, open-minded and willing because – each of, I was I realized as you shared that that each of those things is itself a principle. You know, honesty is a principle, but but you know, a principle is sort of by its very nature kind of abstract. But I know if I'm being honest or not. I know how to be honest, and so not only is it a principle, but it's also a step that I can take. It is something I can do. And uh, open-mindedness, same thing. You know, it's a concept, but um, I can uh, ask myself. I think reasonably: Am I being open-minded? Am I being? Am I willing to to even just listen to what someone else has to say? I don't have to agree with them. Am I even willing to try to get where they're coming from? Th- that's a step I can take. And so that that H uh, O W, the how? How do we do this? By doing those very things. Um, that, yes, they are principles, but also they're concrete steps that are not that hard to see. So what kinds of tools do you use to shift your consciousness from principle to person, you know, from personality to principle? Yeah. I think that it's it, for me. It's kind of come down to one thing, because inevitably, if I am uh, what I would describe as off the path, or um, you know, just really shaken up, or having that that familiar experience of, in my body of anxiety that tells me, um, you know, like you shared earlier, my thinking shows up in my body. And so when that happens, I know there's something going on with my thinking. And what I have found actually to be one, I might have a few things, but the primary thing is to notice what am I thinking? And, you know, that's what we might call meditation or prayer and meditation or mindfulness or or whatever. It's just, um, and again, it's am I willing to sit down, if only for a couple of minutes. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to set a timer and light some incense and, you know, burn a candle and put on some music. Um, I can pause wherever I am and just take a breath and turn my attention to what is happening with my body, which is a way that helps shift me out of that, you know, uh, seeming uh, full speed running, you know, thoughts running through my head. Uh, which is inevitably what is going on when I find myself um, challenged. And just being able to observe it. You know, we can't heal. We cannot heal something if we can't name it. And I can't name it if I can't even see it. You know, but if I become willing to see it, 
just to calm, be calm enough to just, oh, yeah, look at that. Ooh, I do. I do feel angry. And yes, my, I do keep thinking about that one time that person did that one thing that really made me mad. And I can feel it again. Wow, isn't that fascinating that that's happening right now? You know, just being able to see it is helpful. And then, um, you know, again, with the back to the HOW, the how principles, being willing to be honest about it and to share it with someone. That's key for honesty for me is, you know, being willing to speak the words to someone else. I'm really angry about this thing that happened. I don't know why I'm thinking about it again now, but here's what's going on. I have found that those steps to be incredibly powerful ways. And then again, I don't know what the mechanism is. I don't know how spirit is working in me exactly, but I do know that if I'm willing to do those things, then things change. They do. And sometimes I don't want to. You know, if I'm being off, I'm practicing honesty. Sometimes I don't want to. I'm obstinate. I'm angry. And I like being angry because I'm right and I want to be right. But, you know, if I'm willing to uh, take a deep breath, I can usually shake that as well. So that's a great point that the, that the, uh, looking at your thinking and, um, getting the support you need to, to change that. You know, the the thing my sponsor would ask me, she'd say, well, how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hanging on to that thought. <laughs> right. You know, how's that working for you? Still thinking about that? Um, you know, which then feeds right into the the uh, Eric Butterworth quote about change your thought, change your life. Absolutely. You know, and that's yeah. that's something I I realize that I have had to refocus so much of the time. My brain was on autopilot, it still can be, that I need to take a moment, and that's where the pausing comes in, to recognize where am I really, what am I thinking about really, because autopilot for me means I don't have a proper sense of proportion or priority going on. I am just doing whatever's showing up. And so another tool that I use is the next right thing, one thing, pick one thing. Yes. And 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 I have to I kind of go through Maslow's hierarchy with it. Is it does it have to do with being uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or sick? You know that's the bottom layer. I, I deal with those things right now. The body things because if the body things are messed up, then it shows me that it's in my thinking. But I have to fix that before I can think differently. Or I'm just yes. going to think about how tired I am, or I'm going to think about how hungry I am, or how angry I am. Yes. So being able to catch that feeling and interrupt the thought is the awareness. That is absolutely the first step for me. Yeah, and that takes practice. And as you described that, I'm remembering that takes support too. You know, I, I, I will always circle back to uh, yeah, that nobody can do my work for me. Nobody can do my recovery work. No one can do my spiritual growth work for me. And I cannot do it alone. It's it's one of those weird, um, you know, seeming conflicts. I have I'm the only one that can do my work, but I cannot do it alone. And again, that's the power of the group of the of the twelve step group of the sponsor of working the steps of putting one foot in front of the other, um, so that some of these things that we're talking about will begin to show up seemingly by magic. Um, but really, it's it's because of what we've been willing to do and, and been willing to be a part of the group at the same time as being willing to do our own inner work, which is hard. Well, and I think that's where um, when we went to seminary and we got prayer partners that were accountability partners, 
that helped me shift my consciousness away from the the personality pieces of what was going on to affirm and claim the truth I know, to affirm yes. and claim the activity of spirit in my life, to to remind me how and where and when God was showing up. Yes. Yeah. So thank so you I for think, that. I think the accountability piece um is not so that somebody can keep a scorecard. I think it's to help us stay on track, keep ourselves on track. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's got to be someone, of course, that we trust. Right. Which can be hard, but we can do it. So we're getting close to the end of our uh, time together. And one of the things that we talked, we're going to talk about was was um, faith. We've only got about a minute left before we're, we're going to be at the end. But is there any last words that you'd like to share about about faith? Yes, and- I'll I'll do ten seconds on faith. Faith intertwines in absolutely every single thing that we've talked about. Uh, it's an ongoing practice. Um, it can be blind faith. It can sort of develop over time. But just that willingness to say. Even if I don't know, I'm going to take the step anyway. That's got to be part of it, and it has for me. Well, thank you, Dan, for that. Thank you for this discussion. I really enjoyed that. And um, you know, I we didn't have any callers today, but we hope to soon in the near future. I appreciate your consciousness that you brought to this in the discussion, and uh, look forward to the next time. So join us next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, and have a wonderful week. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.